available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. Together, we bring you the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football I'm coming at you in an echo chamber. I'm on the road today, so in a uh, pretty much empty room. And unfortunately, it's not going to sound the best, David, but uh, we'll still bring you all the info that we can. It sounds and, like the uh, voice of God talking to me. It's really great. There, yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was going for. Yeah. Um, it, it's so funny. You, you get used to just being in a better environment to speak in. And then when you're in like a an empty room, it's just how much the sound bounces off the walls. You know, good stuff. It's great audio. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll fix it in post if we had a lot of time, which we, we don't, don't we don't, have. we don't do post. We, uh, we merge the tracks, we normalize the audio, and then we give it to you, the people. Yeah. We want it to be raw. We want to... <laughs> yeah, we want you to feel like you're in the room. Right. And, uh, if you feel like you're in an empty room right now, listening to me, you're, that's exactly where I am. Right. Uh, a... You've got the vibe of somebody who's delivering a talk at a conference right now. <laughs> like that's what I'm hearing. Uh, that's what I'll keep in my head. You know, yeah. I got my, I've got a pretty good microphone. It's just really, it's this cavernous room uh, with nothing on the walls right now. Honestly, uh, it's too good. You shouldn't have that good of a microphone for that situation. It should be worse that it's not picking up all that audio. Yeah. Uh, I do have my little traveling mic, which I like to bring, but I need to find a better location in here. But it's a, it's my friend's house and they just like bought it. So I'm like helping them with some stuff here. Uh, I'm in Scottsdale. I'm still in uh, the Paxwell footprint area, but... There's nothing on the walls. It's just bouncing off. So it's it's quiet. The internet's great, but not the best sound. This is exciting stuff for our listeners. I think yes, this is how we wanted to start it because there's no big news today. But just before you get to we get to all that, there's a bunch of news. Uh, Pac12podcast at gmail.com is the email address if you want to send us any questions or if you'd rather call or text us. That number is 424-532-0678. Get on the Twitters at Pac12podcast. Mostly me tweeting, but sometimes I'll tweet something that David doesn't agree with, so then he'll respond in his own account. Uh, you can also go Pac12podcast.com. <laughs> Which I try to do, I take little shots and like say something I know David wouldn't agree with with the uh, with our joint account there, which is fun. Uh, podcast.com is where all the old episodes are. Our Reddit page is Podcast of Champions. If you are on the Reddits and want to post some questions or anything there, comments about what you hear on the show, and then also subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to grow the show. Leave us a five star rating. That's all we ask. Anything, say whatever you want. Five stars really helps us out. We appreciate it. Yeah, we like them. Uh, we didn't get any new ones this week, at least via Apple iTunes. I will take this as a five-star rating, though. This is from Dude Shield on Twitter uh, in reference to a tweet I made today. This bucket of soy gets paid so well for his trash opinion that he fled socialist California because he couldn't afford the taxes. The taxes, of course, that he demands everyone but himself pay. Dump the soy, bring back Pac-12 football. 
Now, if that had been accompanied by a five-star review and on Apple iTunes, that's exactly the sort of thing you're able, and we would love for you to write to us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I love it. Yep, it's uh, good stuff. Now, it's, uh, we, we love that the, most of the ratings that we get, most of the reviews are just so thoughtful, so witty. Uh, even when they're taking shots at us, we love it. We'll read them on the air, so we love those. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. All right, David, we got some uh, some breaking news. I don't have my, my soundboard with me, so I can't play the breaking news sound, but there's been a lot of stuff uh, happening in the last, I don't know, 48 hours or so. I think we can start with USC football players wrote a letter, uh, which you don't see people nowadays write letters anymore, but it's a letter. USC. Yeah, <laughs> Gavin Newsom, who happens to be the governor of the state of California, basically let us play. And I went through a lot of the details asking uh, the governor to allow them to do things that they're not allowed to do right now, like lift weights inside or gathering groups of more than uh, 12 people, um, you know, being able to practice. And so it was a uh, I thought it was a, a well-written uh, letter first tweeted out, I think, by Amon Ross St. Brown and Keen Slovis and a bunch of other players tweeted out some of the coaches, former players like Matt Leinart jumped on there. Um, you know, it's uh, it was a first step that we've seen some kind of activity on the Pac-12 side. We'll get to the Big Ten in a second, but we haven't seen a whole lot of, hey, come on, can we play? Uh, but knowing that this, the governors in Oregon and, and California have been restrictive on that and not allowing these guys to practice, uh, this was like the first, I guess, you know, foray into, hey, let's let's try to get this moving so we can play. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I, I think um, the, the position the players are in is really tough because they're looking at, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC playing, and well, this is this it, it pre, predated the uh, Big Ten announcement, which we'll get to in a little bit. But there was a lot of rumbling that the Big Ten would be announcing that they were returning to play over the last week, essentially. Um, so with all of that going on, and basically no word out of the Pac-12 really beyond, oh, we've got this testing thing now, so maybe we'll have a chance to play later this fall. Um, it makes sense that they'd want to put pressure on uh, the state governments to make it happen. Um, and good on them for flexing their power. Um, if you know, that's, that's, uh, one good thing that's come out of all of this is, um, athletes using their voices to, uh, you know, express their viewpoint a little bit more publicly. Yeah. Um, it's good. So I think it was a good step. I'd like to see, I think when it comes from players, it's good that it's, there's a positive there because they're the ones that would be putting themselves in potential danger, right? Uh, they're they're the they're the they're the relatively unpaid labor, you might say. Yes, the relatively unpaid labor, but you know, they, it, it's a good step that they want to play. But I do think it's going to take the powers that be to come through, and all the coaches have to to bond together and put out some kind of statement or write a letter to the, the governor or Larry Scott has to be involved. I think there needs to be more involvement from athletic directors and, you know, even presidents, because what we're going to get to in a second, um, it's, uh, it's discouraging. If you're on the PAC 12 side, you don't want to be left behind, right? Like you can argue they shouldn't be playing. They should be playing or whatever, but having four of the power five playing in the fall and you not, and the PAC 12 not playing, I just don't think the PAC 12 is powerful enough, Dave, to like survive something like that and still be considered on an equal playing field, which to be honest, like not already mostly not considered that, um, you can argue, you know, whatever football should be played, shouldn't be played. If it's four to one, I, I don't like those odds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really tough, um, 
it, it's I mean, it's 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 in micro what is the problem in macro, which is if everyone else makes what what you might consider an irrational choice, but it leaves you at a disadvantage in the real business sense of your league, then what can you do? Um, and it seems like uh, broadly, um, at least the the constituency of college football fans is very supportive of the return to play. Um, so what can the Pac-12 really do um, except make a unpopular choice that may uh, be, I would say, I would argue is, is the safer and more prudent choice, but uh, make a very unpopular choice that limits them already limits them even more than they already are. And they don't have the cover of the big 10 anymore, um, which to a certain extent, I think that was a big factor. Um, if, because I think what's going to happen is the Pac-12 is eventually going to fold and return to play probably in November. Um, I think that's uh, more or less a foregone conclusion at this point, and they'll just have to figure it out. Um, but uh, the Big Ten was providing a little bit of cover because if the Big Ten also does it, then something will eventually have to be worked out with the college football playoff. Something will have to be worked out to make the schedules match up in the future. If it was just the Pac-12, I think the rest of the leagues would be fine going forward as the Power Four. Um, so I, I think if they want to stay in that, if relevance is a priority, um, and I think, you know, as much as it probably shouldn't be when you're making decisions about public health and public safety, it will be. Um, and with that, I, I don't think there's any. I, I, I'm having a hard time seeing a way where the Pac-12 doesn't eventually fold and, and just try to make this happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's probably going to happen, but they need to get these, uh, you know, well, first of all, let's talk about what, you know, that was a good statement from the USC football players. I think a lot of people want to play, but then, uh, as of this morning, the news broke that the big 10 was going to play. Um, so that sort of puts the PAC 12's feet to the fire. And then we'll talk about Larry Scott's statement following that. And then there's the governor, Gavin Newsom had, uh, some things to say about that today, but, what started this, what made this real um, was the Big Ten uh, announcing that they are going to play. So complete reversal of what they decided just a few weeks ago. Uh, there won't be any fans. Uh, family's OK, depending on, um, you know, the, the campus you're allowed. You know, each school is allowed to bring people, but they can't sell tickets or anything like that. The schedule I like. Well, I, I like one thing about it. I like the eight plus one model. So it's eight conference games, and apparently they're going to do what the regular schedule would be. So if you had your division games, your six, six division games, and then you had three crossover games, one of those would be eliminated. So you'd still have two crossover games. But at the end of the season, it's sort of like a, uh, you know, the you'd have, um, you know, the, the first team from each division play each other for the championship, but the number two teams would play each other, number three teams, four teams, five teams, six teams, seven teams. So I kind of like that. Um, the thing I don't like is eight weeks eight games in eight weeks and it's going to start October 23rd. They will have flexibility as far as they could have Friday games. I know they were pretty uh, opposed to that before they could have Monday games going against Monday night football, um, you know, trying to get more of those games on television. Uh, some of those will probably be on the big 10 network and stuff you would assume. Uh, but that's the, the, the big concern for me, David, is just trying to cram all of those games into an eight week period. All the other schedules before had flexibility built in because you're probably going to get some, postponements and cancellations but this is all an attempt to at least in my opinion to get Ohio State into the playoff right so 
they're they're shoehorning this in as quickly as they can so they could get Ohio State into the playoff if possible. Yeah, it's a completely money driven decision. Um, and you know, it's uh, my opinion on it is it's so. Uh, uh, one thing largely, uh, the Big Ten has handled this the worst of any league because um, I don't know waffling on a decision like this um, in what it's barely been a month, I think, since they and really it's been a month and a half of this because they released the schedule. Then they walked it back and said we're postponing it to the spring. And now six days later. Yeah, they, and, they released the schedule and then six days later canceled the season where well, and they're just completely yeah. caving to public pressure. They're caving to the pressure from Ohio State, Nebraska, Iowa. Um, all of whom were like the big naysayers from the jump. Um, and it's everyone is pinning so much on this testing. Um, you know, the fact that they have this daily turnaround testing and that does solve the issue of whether or not you're going to transfer this on the field of play, like whether or not you're going to infect somebody on the field of play. But it doesn't really solve the issue of, okay, guys are in a team meeting or whatever, and one of them had it, and he's going to get tested before the game, so he's not going to be out there for the game. But what if he goes and gives it to his coach or whatever, and then they give it to the family? You're still having a public gathering in a time of a public health crisis. That's still the fundamental issue. Um, The testing doesn't prevent infections. Um, So whatever. Like, that's so far under the bridge at this point, it doesn't really matter. But... Um, it's, it's a decision driven entirely by money. Um, and they're making a business decision. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think eight games in eight weeks is almost impossible. Um, given the testing rates they currently have. Um, I think this came out, Maryland conducted 449 COVID tests on student athletes on September 8th with 35 positives. Penn state conducted 859 with 50 positives. I don't know if those are football or not. Rates like that would not allow them to play if it was on a, rolling average um so i think there's uh still a lot of reason to think this season's not going to go off without a without a hitch um not to mention it'll be getting colder and yada 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 uh but yeah it's a really aggressive schedule the whole point of it is to get ohio state in the playoff to get those boku uh college football playoff dollars and uh we'll see how it all plays out yeah. So uh, starting late October, um, I went on Pac-12 radio today. What's what's possible in the Pac-12? I really do feel like this changes the game. And the analogy I was given on the I, you know the podcast I did yesterday was sort of like it's like you you got a prom at, in your high school, right? And you're in some you know you and and a friend are in this like academic. Uh, you have some finals or something. There's some you know you're taking these extra AP classes and they're going to you know conflict with the prom, but you know, it's two thirds, like a bunch of the students are in there, two thirds of the students and uh, that are doing this. So you're going to have a separate prom later on. And like, yeah, it won't be as cool as the original prom, but you have a group, you know. Um, but fortunately for the Pac-12, their prom date is decided like, you know what, we're going to like finish the final as fast as we can and not even put on our tuxes and just run over to the gym and, and make this prom I uh, hope you guys can make it, but we're going to go to the other prom now. So now the Pac-12 is kind of list without a dance partner. And I originally thought it would it could still work. Hey, you know, do your season in December or start it in January. Even if the, the Big Ten isn't involved, that's still going to be uh, – that'll be pretty good. But reading John Wilner's column, reading John Canzano's col- column, I think it made sense, the points they were making that 
it's almost like it's not worth it to do any kind of season now. You lost your partner, like at least that was a power player you were with. If you're going to be playing games on your own with nothing really to play for outside of just getting these guys some experience, it's almost better if you just don't play at all. And I feel like if the Pac-12 can get their crap together in the next couple of weeks, they could get a season that started similar. And I don't, you know, maybe it's only a six game one and you just do divisions and in a championship, but you get some opportunities to maybe play in a Rose Bowl or whatever it is. You get something like that. I think there's, there's benefit to it, but I'm really, you know, reading Kanzana, reading uh, Wilner. I'm kind of on board now with just like, you, you got to make it happen now, or it's like, you might not even, you shouldn't even bother. I'm not there. Um, I think there's, uh, I mean, there's three different options, right? You can try to fit in a season now, and just kind of grasp on the coattails of the Big Ten and see if you can get it in maybe the week following. You know, start it on November 1st, see if you can get in, you know, seven games or whatever. I don't think it'll qualify you for the college football playoff, but really, it's the Pac-12 you weren't getting in anyway. Um, That's probably what I think they're going to do at this point, especially with Gavin Newsom signaling today that it's it's BS what he's saying because he obviously did have regulations in place that were preventing play. Um, but if he's signaling that publicly that there are no stipulations regulating play, then that means he he doesn't want to be the stick in the mud that prevents this from happening. Um, so I would anticipate something soon where the Pac-12 and the state of California come to some sort of agreement on this, um, because if Newsom's saying that it makes Larry Scott look really bad. So he's yeah. going to want to talk to Newsom and see if they can get this ironed out so they can announce something. Um, and if that's the case, um, I think the Pac-12 has already laid the groundwork with their antigen testing program, um, where that seems like it should be, you know, a full go within the next couple of weeks. And if that's the case, if they have all that in place, there's nothing really preventing them from, you know, doing what the Big Ten is doing, which is making a decision driven by dollars and cents uh, to get this thing going. Um, it, you know, it. Their whole reason for why they couldn't do it in the first place, a big part of it was the lack of testing. So they're not even being super inconsistent. I mean, that was a huge part of the reason why they weren't willing to do it initially. Um, I think there's still a lot of unknowns about, you know, long term ramifications. That was another part of their reasoning. Uh, The Big Ten kind of hand waved that away, said, you know, a cardiologist told them that it's okay, Um, Despite, you know, several other cardiologists telling them it was not okay. So it's it'll be interesting to see how the the Pac-12 approaches that. Um, but I think ultimately they're going to try to get one in. Um, but even if you don't start in November, um, now I haven't read uh, Wilner Orkins on his column arguing for the opposite, but there's still value in playing. There's still monetary value in playing. Um, if you play college football, especially in spring or winter, um, you're going to be the only show in town ESPN is going to want to pick up a lot of those games in primetime um you know there's going to be some benefits to being the only thing on um so I think there might even be more eyeballs more interest um so I think there is some still some value in doing that um and it might be a completely different situation where you can actually have fans in the stands I mean who knows what the situation looks like in January or February it might be much worse or it might be significantly better um, so I think all of the arguments that were previously in place to do it then, I mean, the only link up that we were talking about with the big 10 was potentially playing a championship game. It wasn't like we were talking about like cross divisional games. 
it was just a championship game. Okay, well, you lose that Rose Bowl or whatever. Um, but other than that, you're not really losing anything by the Big Ten not playing at the same time. Um, and if anything, you're gaining more eyeballs on your football. So, I, I mean, I felt that way too, except the, I mean, there could be more bowl games, right? There could, that would be good. Not just the Rose Bowl. They could have some more postseason stuff, but really it would just be the perception of the Pac-12 doing something different than the rest of the power five. And it's almost like, but that'll already be there already. The Pac-12 is getting denigrated simply for being the most cautious of the five power five conferences. Like already that is the narrative. So there's not going to be a change in that narrative. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't do anything based off of like that sort of like, you know, kind of ephemeral public perception. I think the decisions you have to make now are first and foremost, hopefully, public safety, public health. But beyond that, you have to make business decisions about the money. Um, what are your schools going to be doing if they can't play football this year? What is that going to do to Oregon State? Um, what is that going to do to the Arizona schools? What is it going to do to Utah? Um, Utah had to furlough like their entire athletic staff. Um, if they can't play football this year, do, do uh, several permanent positions get cut completely? Um, all of that might happen. Um, and I think it, that's what it's going to come down to. If the decision is between playing six or seven games starting in January or not, well, would those six and seven games save jobs um, and keep people employed and keep these athletic departments afloat? And I think that's what's got to drive the decision at that point, not the optics of whether or not you look weird for doing something different from everybody else. Yeah. Well, OK, so that was, uh, you know, the Big Ten news and it's you know, all over everything that and the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, came out with this statement uh, soon after. At this time, our universities in California and Oregon do not have approval from state or local public health officials to start contact practice. We are hopeful that our new daily testing capability can help satisfy public health official approvals in California and Oregon to begin contact practice and competition. We are equally closely monitoring the devastating fires and air quality in our region at this time. We are eager for our student athletes to have the opportunity to play this season as soon as it can be done safely and in accordance with public health authority approvals. Um, so kind of like a vanilla milk statement there, right? I mean, nothing, basically just, you're saying what we all know already um, of what's going on. And then Gavin Newsom, the uh, governor of uh, the great state of California, uh, was asked about this at a press conference and then kind of gave this flippant statement about, uh, he said, there's nothing in these guidelines that denies these games from occurring. He said, we, we put out guidelines a month or so ago. We aligned them with the NCAA and there's nothing that denies the Pac-12 from having conference games. Um, he said that they put out thoughtful guidelines in partnership with the NCAA cohorting, uh, during workouts about cohort, co cohorting during workouts and practices. It's differently depending on the sport. He says basketball cohorting up to 12 people might be a little easier than football up to 12. Uh, you think, <laughs> uh, he says offensive teams and defensive teams are still able to coordinate and practice, which is complete bull crap because you need 22 people on the field to play. Like you cannot scrimmage. If you can only have 12 people gathering at a time, it just makes it, it shows just it just makes no sense uh, what he's saying. He said uh, nothing is state in the state guidelines deny the ability for the Pac-12 to resume. Quite the contrary. That has been a misrepresentation of the facts, um, which is more crap. He said, I talked to Larry Scott about two hours ago and they're committed to working with the Pac-12, working with the NCAA, to keep the kids safe, keep the coaches safe, keep the 
coaching staff, friends, family safe, and keep the large, larger campus community safe. Remember, these are student athletes. They're not isolated in a bubble like our NBA superstars are. No mention of, well, why are the Rams and the Chargers playing, you know, right down the street from USC and UCLA? Or why are the 49ers playing uh, down the street from Stanford? Like, it's just, it was, that's such a political statement, David. It just makes me mad for not even owning up to it. Like, you know what? We're going to do what we can and we're going to try to help, but we, we really want to, you know, keep the public safety in, in, in mind. He's denying that they're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's complete. I mean, it's complete crap. Own your decisions if you're going to make them. I mean, he's obviously a politician and he doesn't want to say something unpopular and he's putting his finger in the wind and he sees that this uh, it's a relatively small constituency of the American population. But the college football constituency is largely in support of returning to play. Um, So he's, you know, trying to keep, you know, those those people in line uh, with him. So he wants to say something that is, um, you know, uh, um, well, essentially it's a lie. Um, so yeah, it's complete crap. Um, the thing is, I, I think it's, um, I think there is still a justifiable reason for him to say we're treating them differently. And that ending bit, we're treating them differently because they are not professionals, but it's hard to explicitly make that point given, you know, all of the issues with pay for play and all that kind of stuff. Um, But there's still a legitimate case to be made that you shouldn't be doing this. Um, And it doesn't seem like anyone in a position of power is willing to make that case. And it seems like the PAC 12 is probably going to return to play. Um, But uh, yeah, Newsom's comments today, honestly, that just signals to me that he's willing to work with the PAC 12 and make this happen. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say that unless he was willing to back it up. Um, so I think they're willing to change the, the guideline. They'll come out with a joint statement in a couple of days and say, hey, we uh, we revisited this. And we talked it out. And we hashed it out. And uh, here's what the guidelines actually are. You know, some crap like that. And we'll have, uh, you know, announcements of return to play. Wilner uh, put a story up, quick story, like basically saying the same thing. But I want to read you like the actual physical distancing guidelines. So this is from uh, Section 5 of the state's rules. Train and cohorts, IHEs, institutions of higher education, should establish cohorts as a strategy to minimize the potential spread of COVID-19. A cohort may be comprised of six to 12 individuals, all members of the same team, who consistently work out and participate in activities together. Cohorts should avoid mixing with other groups. So, yes, like, did you pick your starting 11 offensive players and let them all practice together and that's it? Um, if somebody gets hurt, you have one sub, hopefully you have a, uh, you know, if you have an extra offensive lineman and you need a wide receiver. I don't, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. This cannot work. Um, it shows he has no idea what he's talking about as far as football goes. You can't practice, uh, to play a football game when you can only have the same 12 people hanging out together and not mixing with any other groups of 12 people. Um, you don't think so. <laughs> I mean, you literally, you could go out there and. Who was it that played BYU and they got absolutely smoked? A uh, Navy, like they looked like they did. Look, Navy looked like they followed these guidelines and then they just got absolutely smoked. Well, no, when they played a football game. that's what uh, Nayo Matalolo said after the game. He's like, we we probably followed too stringent guidelines. We weren't doing tackling in practice. We weren't doing a lot of things. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, that's what that looks like. <laughs> it's it's football, you know. Um, yeah, it's football. Like you have to. 
you have to do these things. So yeah, this, I hate the political stuff when it gets involved in that, but that's completely what it is. I agree with you. We should have owned it and not gone. Uh, but the thing is, if you own the decision, if you own the reasoning behind it, then you're not allowing yourself any wiggle room. Because if if the reasoning behind it was what was real, which was they're not professional athletes, that shit hasn't changed. Yeah. Like they're they're still not professional athletes. So if you own all of that reasoning that you thought was going to be ironclad because I don't know, you assumed other states would follow suit, you assumed other conferences would follow suit, and then they don't, well. You either need to wiggle or not wiggle, and he's choosing to wiggle. And then yeah. that's good news for Pac-12 fans who, who wanted to watch some football this year. I think this is really good news for you uh, because I think it means that there's going to be Pac-12 football this year. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you're. I think you're right. I think that's showing. That's like if he came out and said, "No, you can't do it for these reasons." Um, he's going the other way, saying, "No, we're we're not stopping you." And then so now you're gonna be like, "Oh, so we can do this." Uh, okay, you can do that. Sure. You know, I think that's going to be where we go. I put a poll up today on Podcast of Champions Twitter at Pac-12 Podcast. Should the Pac-12 push to play football this fall? Uh, it's uh, The poll's almost over. I put up for five hours. 734 votes. 82% yes, 18% no. So the fans have spoken, Dave. They want Pac-12 football to play this fall. Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, so, and I think they're going to get their wish. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think uh, I mean, it would be great if they could get it on a similar line, even the beginning of November, if you could push pull that off, just playing along the same time. Not really with the, uh, you know, maybe you do the six game thing or the five game thing, your division games with a with a bye week uh, and then the championship game. So you're getting something not expecting to make it into the playoff and there's not really a contender anyway. Um, I feel like that's oh, the way a lot of Oregon fans are screaming right now, but I think with the departures, there really isn't one. I, I mean, it's funny that I, I did the Pac-12 radio show this morning and they were, they were blowing they like, yeah, they don't have a, I mean, they were admitting that there's no, uh, you know, if Justin Herbert was back and like Penny Sewell didn't opt out and, you know, the starting corners didn't go. Yeah. I, I think you could, you could put Oregon up there, but, um, really it's just not. I don't think that's realistic. So, but if you can play along on the same lines at the same time uh, and get in some bowl games and things like that, I think it's worth it. Uh, but I, I think now before it's great, you got the players leading the way. Now you have to push forward uh, and you need the leadership from Larry Scott and from the ADs and the coaches. They need to make some noise. Now it worked in the big 10. Uh, I feel, and this is like the next subject I want to talk about how, who, which conferences you felt did the best I really felt the Pac-12 did one of the best jobs, if not the best job, and everything they did makes sense. But now that everyone else is playing, you can't just sit on your laurels. You have to go for, okay, we have more data now. Let's push forward. And I would say the other the other conference that did a good job was the SEC. Like they went with the later start. Like they're going to be able to find out what the other you know Power Five teams are doing. Um, I like what the SEC has done too. They you know yeah, you could argue that. They were going to play almost no matter what, but I think they're doing going about it in a fairly smart way. They're going conference only, you know. Um, so it's similar to what the Pac-12 did, just with a later start and everything. So I like the way the Pac-12 handled it up until now. Now it's got to change, and I like the way the SEC handled it. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I would say um, the Pac-12 I think has been the most uh, consistent, um, and I, I my personal opinion is I think they're acting the most responsibly of any of the leagues. Um, I think 
they might soon. Uh, I think the realities of the situation are going to dictate that they cease to act responsibly, which whatever. Uh, I get it. Um, but I think they've uh, honestly, I think this is one of the best handled situations that Larry Scott's had or the Pac-12 has had under his leadership, actually. Um, I think so far they've I, mean, it, I can't really fault any of the decisions um, to this point. Uh, the SEC, I think um, they have also acted in concert um, in a way that the Big 12 has seemed to have a lot of schools just kind of doing whatever at different times. Like there were still teams scheduling weird non-conference one-offs up until like, I don't know, it was like early August, I think, when they were still scheduling like weird things like Kansas had a thing that was on the schedule, like just jumped on it for August 29th at that point. So they've had, I think, a lack of cohesion. The ACC has been weird um, and a little bit waffly themselves. But the SEC, I think, has been consistent as well, um, which, you know, speaks to, I think, strong leadership from Greg Sankey. Um, but they were always going to be the strongest one trying to play. Um, so that, you know, for what that is, I think they are they've they've shown the best leadership during this period. And frankly, they won in the power struggle with the Big Ten. You know, it was the SEC and the Big Ten kind of. Uh, struggling with this and first the sec won both of the other two conferences to its side big 12 and acc and then eventually forced the big 10 to fold um so you know that's 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 real power right there um yeah it was a game of chicken and uh the sec won (laughs) the big 10 flinched yep it's uh you know, and there's some people giving the Big Ten credit, and I'm just no, I just no. The, the Big Ten's been the worst. They've they've the managed just the worst of anyone. The waffling, the lack of communication, um, really, it's it's. I mean, if you're going to start now, you literally didn't need to stop. Like that's the um, thing is nothing. So they're all pointing to this daily rapid testing, which was a thing that they knew was coming down. Like they already knew that was potentially going to happen. It wasn't the it wasn't the number one determining factor. Um, so they're claiming they got more information about the myocarditis. I don't know how you determine that based off of, um, I mean, we don't have the fullness of time yet. We've only known about this virus for 10 months. You know, it's like, what do you, what do you really know at this point? Um, but they're claiming that all of these things that were reasons for stopping play a month ago are no longer reasons for stopping play as if they're making just a purely prudent and rational choice. And that's just complete horseshit. What happened was they got a lot of public pressure from first their schools, um, particularly Ohio State, Iowa and Nebraska. They got a lot of public fan pressure and they became a national joke with a lot of people making fun of the commissioner and lighting up the presidents and making them, you know, all these university presidents sit in an ivory tower and uh, dealing with like the 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 fans or or low level students or alumni of these institutions is not really something they do with any kind of consistency. And I'm sure they like the surfs like united up. They they glad hand with the biggest of big boosters, not they they glad hand with boosters who are called donors, you know, like they they're, they're working on getting buildings funded. They don't really give a shit about what's going on with um, the fan base uh, to put it just bluntly. Um, But I'm sure in this instance, they were inundated with emails and phone calls to their offices. Um, And that has an effect on anybody from the most high minded academic down to the, you know, coach of the team. Um, So I think given all of that, uh, they made a decision that was based off of public pressure and money. 
And that's, you know, they, they've got to live with that decision. But pinning it as it's, again, just politics. They're pinning it as all these other things so they can, you know, get their bed, their bread, their bread buttered on the other side as well um, from people who are actually having legitimate concerns about these things by saying, oh, yeah, these things aren't any longer concerns, you know, because we can test. And because actually that heart issue we had such a big problem with a month ago. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, well, it seemed, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick, because there's been like a lot of people just that were debunking that study from Germany. And even I think the one of the authors was like, you shut down sports because of this. That's not the point of the study. Um, have you d- dug into that more? It just seems like it's there could be a, it's more of a short term temporary thing. And if you just test, you know, everyone gets like some kind of cardiac uh, panel of tests after you get the virus, you're you're going to be okay. Is that is that the right read on this, or is it still you think there's still some more great uncertainty? I think there's still some uncertainty. I mean, from everything I've read about it, it's maybe it's not serious, but maybe it is. Um, and so it's a thing that requires further study. I'm so I'm not typically like a super cautious decision maker with something like. You know, going for it on fourth down, I think you should be super aggressive with something like, man, I don't know. Lots of different things in life you should be aggressive about dealing with a virus that we don't know about, um, that we don't have more than, again, nine, ten months of study on um, and its long term ramifications. What could potentially happen? There's enough out there that this could potentially cause issues for the athletes themselves. There's substantive info that it can cause issues for other people uh, who the athletes could spread it to um, that you can always make a public health case because when you're dealing with something like this, it is better to be cautious when you're dealing with unknowns with this. It's way better to be cautious because the risk of being cautious is what exactly you lose a little bit of money. The risk of not being cautious is what exactly you lose some lives. Like there's going to be I mean, it's it's something that I think everyone has just kind of unconsciously accepted as, okay, this is an acceptable risk. But there's going to be a meaningful number and a meaningful number for me on this is greater than one uh, number of people who die because college football came back. That doesn't mean I'm saying that college football players are going to die. It means that somebody in game management staff is going to come to work sick. Or somebody in the athletic office is going to come to work sick. Or one of the players is going to give it to one of their coaches. And they're going to give it to their families. But when you introduce group interactions like this that are unnecessary, this is just pure entertainment. It's just purely for S's and G's. When you introduce this kind of stuff into an environment that's a public health crisis where we're still having, whatever, 30,000 cases a day, 1,000 deaths a day, you know, so on and so forth. When you introduce that into this environment you're going to meaningfully increase the number of deaths. If that's all acceptable to everyone, then, you know, screw it, play ball. I'm just saying in that situation, and especially given that you know that part for a fact, like you know that 100%, and then add it on top of that, you might have long-term ramifications of the thing. I don't know. Seems seems maybe a bit foolhardy, but what are we really doing? I mean, at this point, though, like we're seeing – it doesn't seem like you're going to, by playing, you're going to have a virus transfer between player to player. If you're getting the quick daily testing, you pretty much know everyone taking the field doesn't have uh, the virus. I think there's just so many precautions in place that you could, you know, I buy the argument that the players would actually be safer 
working out on campus and, and getting tested every day than they would be if they were just, you know, by themselves at home. And I, I think the study. No, the, no, 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 no. If they're by themselves at home, they're going to be safe. Well, OK, but they're not going to be by themselves at home. So well, that's the, that's the assumption people are making. Um, well, because that's what that's. Well, that's but this reality. is again, it gets into where this is a micro problem of our macro problem, which is we have we, we've just got no real leadership on what's going on with this virus. We're just we seem to now be in just letting it play out, but we're not doing the like opening up broadly that would let it play out. It's just kind of in this stasis. So yeah, you if you sent these players home, they'd be allowed to go out and do stuff. No, the idea if it, is if you didn't play college football, it would be. Also, just lock the shit down for four to six weeks and actually, you know, you know, not quite eradicate this, but knock it down to a very low level of transmission. We're not doing that. We're not doing any of it. So, yeah, they're, they're just going to play football. Right. Which and just to be clear, I'm OK with them going ahead and play football. I think they can do this safely, uh, but you got to get through these government hurdles safely, and all this sa- safely for whom? I think there's there's not going to be zero risk, but I think there's you you live life like I think at this point we're seeing so, you know, the NFL is going through it. We're seeing, you know, all these other sports doing things. I I feel like if the players are willing to go out there and play, they want to do it. Uh, The coaches want to do it. I'm I'm cool with doing it. You know, I'm I'm good at this point. Um, I hope nothing bad happens. Maybe something bad happens next week and it all gets shut down. And they're like, you know what? No, should, nothing, nothing actually noticeably bad will probably happen. No, I, I doubt very much at this point, given everything we know, that any of these players are even going to, or that many of them are going to get seriously ill even. Um, it does not seem that high-level athletes are getting seriously ill from this very often. Um, you know, it's... You know, maybe a couple of offensive linemen or defensive linemen are going to be in at-risk categories because they're technically obese. But aside from that, maybe there will be an undiagnosed heart issue that gets caught or something like that. But for the most part, I don't think the high-level athletes are going to feel too many ramifications of this. It's going to be people around them. And how do you prove that, you know, the wife's sister of the coach of the player got it from the player, you know, that they transmitted it four ways through that? Um, yeah. because you're, you know, you're introducing something that's pure entertainment that's inessential into a global health crisis. But again, we're doing that with a lot of stuff. So whatever, it's college right. football, let's play it. It'll be fun. Uh, so we are, um, right now just going to kind of wait and see. We don't know if we're going to have any kind of answers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Gavin Newsom's pressed by this, what the, uh, the government in Oregon, uh, what they're going to say about it. They seem to be more open to allowing this kind of stuff to happen. Um, so we'll see where this goes. But that Newsom's response today might open up some doors for athletic I think it directors. definitely does. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. So that's a good thing. And one qu- other quick note I had, I don't know if you have anything else, but I was over at my cousin's house. She lives in Temecula uh, over the weekend, and they have Hulu live streaming TV, which I, I have that at home, too. And uh, there was a game on Thursday night. Uh, Miami was playing and it was on the ACC network. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could stream this or something, get a little peek. And I'm Hulu live. Hulu has the ACC network, just the basic package. It's just part of it. I'm like, this thing just happened. And I'm in Temecula, California, and it just happened to get the ACC network. I don't think it's ever happened to me with the Pac-12 network. So no Pac-12 network on Hulu, but the ACC network. Uh, was on there. I don't know if you'd known that or just just another one of those like frustrating things. 
Yeah, no, the, I, I didn't know that about the ACC network, but it has been on some weird stuff that I've seen in the past. They've got a great distribution deal. Um, well, maybe <sighs> if you work with ESPN, maybe it helps a little. I maybe guess. it helps, you know, if, if they bundle you with their, you know, ESPN, maybe that helps. I don't know. Would maybe that be better than like, about yeah. this. Would that be better than sharing like an $8 million studio with Comcast in San but Francisco? But the thing is, there's just untold billions of dollars in value <laughs> in sharing a building with the Comcast Regional Sports Network. You understand yeah. that. Right. That that really helps you. Untold get... billions in yeah. value. Ugh. All right. Well, uh, before we take a quick break, come back questions, I want to let everyone know about my bookie. Winning season returns at MyBookie. What's winning season? It means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane player props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are starting where they left off, and the NFL has officially returned in a big way. Man, I loved watching the games over the weekend. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes week in and week out. Get in on the action, use promo code PAC12, and double your first deposit. Players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you already love and the games you already want to bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code PAC12 and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today. Only at my bookie. And Dave, I, I know you're, you're not a big NFL fan. You don't want to watch other college football. I, I just, I was playing fantasy football. I was watching the NFL. It was like, there are two Monday night games. I freaking loved it. I watched a little NFL, which is more okay. than I can say on any Sunday in like the last four years. So I don't know, man. I think I'm more interested in the NFL uh, than I am in other college football, like non Pac-12 college football, because I think it's I, I think what it is, is I know some of the players in the NFL, like I know them from their Pac-12 days. And so I like care on like kind of, a, you know, an observation level. Like I was watching Darnay Holmes actually playing in an NFL game. That was weird. OK, cool. Um, so it was just, you know, it was kind of fun from that angle. So, yeah, I watched some NFL. It wasn't bad. It was a nice experience. I might do it again. Who knows? Yeah, it was. I think what I told you guys last week, like when I started my fantasy draft stuff, I was like, this is really happening. Like it didn't really click in my head that it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like this isn't going to be real, but it is that football's back. Because I won. I won that argument with you. You were convinced of my reality, which is winning the argument. Was I correct? No, I never am correct. But did I argue it well? I did. I convinced nice. you of the logic. Nice. All right. That's well, what I'm here for. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and answer your questions. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. 
And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. How was your break? It was good. Um, yeah, I wanted to go watch some old, some football. Uh, you know, squeeze a minute of football in. I just love football so much, Dave. Like, that's why I just want to watch it whenever I can. Um, and that's why at this point, like, you're seeing it being played at all different levels. You're like, all right. That's why I just think Pac-12, you got to just figure it out. Like they're figuring it out. Everyone else is figuring it out. You got to figure it out. But uh, I'm curious what our listeners have to say. I don't know if we got any questions uh, regarding this, but um, where do you want to start? Is it Day the first one? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think so. We, we did Keon's last time. Was Alex? Did we do Alex last time? I looked at that. Uh, I don't remember. Um, I thought we might have talked about it, but no, I think we did this one. I think we did this one. I think one. we did this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then it's Hithaday. I'll start. Okay. Over a barrel. Had Mike Leach stayed in Pullman, the Cougs starting quarterback next season almost certainly would have been redshirt sophomore Cameron Cooper, a four-star, 6'4", pro-style quarterback who enrolled in January of 2018 and has spent the last two years practicing Leach's air raid. However, I think there's a pretty good chance that new head coach Nick Rolovich will instead appoint his 2020 recruit, Jaden Delora, a dual threat who literally played across the street in Honolulu running a similar offense to Rolovich's run and shoot. Let's say that happens and Cooper figures that losing the job to a true freshman who's a better fit for the system means he'll never see playing time at Wazoo, so he decides to transfer to another Pac-12 team. Please give me your top three schools that would want him and what kind of pitch they'd give. Ooh, okay. Interesting. So he's a redshirt sophomore, but everyone gets this free year anyway. Right. Um, so he would be again a redshirt sophomore. All right. Northern teams. I mean, I think you could make a case that Washington or Oregon, right? Like, you know, you could make a case there to get someone to come in. Um, I think that's right. I think either one of them. Um, it, it remains to be seen what exactly Washington is going to run, um, but I have to imagine it's going to be somewhat pro styly. So, you know, a statuesque. Yeah, maybe, so maybe six, not as much. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but a statuesque 6 4 guy makes sense there. Um, I think Oregon might make sense. Um, Oregon State, probably not as much. Um, well, what do they have in their depth chart right now? Yeah, because you lose Luton. Uh, but it's not really that kind of offense. Like if you want to, well, no, I'm sorry. No, he's more of a pro style guy. Yeah. So you could do that. Yeah. So they've, they're right now it's Tristan Jebbia, um, 
who's a junior, redshirt junior. Um, so I think you could probably make the case at Oregon State. I don't know if it would be a super compelling option for him. Um, but I think you could probably make that case. I guess from like a coveting him standpoint, I think it would be... I, there's a lot of reasons why you can think a lot of schools could want him. Utah, uh, yeah. would, like Utah would be in the mix, I would think, because they've had some quarterback uh, recruiting uh, troubles. I mean, they're having to take a transfer in to start this year, Jake Bentley. Um, I don't know. Do you have a top three? I think... I th- I mean, Cal could be up there, right? Because you're going to lose. Uh... We're going to name every school in the Pac-12, right? Yeah. Now. I mean, even like at USC, they only have a couple of scholarship quarterbacks, but they're bringing, they're supposed to be bringing in two. So that might not be as good of a fit. Yeah. But... And I, knowing UCLA's situation kind of intimately, I think they, I mean, they could be in the mix um, because Colson Yankoff, I think it's still a, you know, it's to be determined whether he's going to be a fit as the replacement for Dorian Thompson Robinson when Thompson Robinson is done. Uh, Thompson Robinson's a junior this year. Um, so assuming the Pac-12 plays and he uses a junior year, um, I, I, have we gotten any clarity? If you play this year, does that count as a year or is it nobody? It nobody counts. Count as a year? Yeah. So you can uh, you might as well just play because it doesn't matter. Well, then it comes into like class. I think he's got to find a fit for him, which will be a situation where a guy is leaving. Um, yeah. Because he's going to want to play more or less immediately. So that leaves you with not USC because Slovis is a sophomore, right? Yeah. But then he could leave after 2020 or well, no, after 2021, it'd still um, be another full year. I think you yeah. have to find a situation where the guy is potentially leaving after this coming season. Yeah, but that's the problem. Like anyone that could leave after 2020 can stay. Um, so if you're a senior, retro no, it has to be somebody good then, somebody who's going to leave for the NFL or right, who's done yeah. college. So we, Davis we, Mills. Yes, I think you could do Stanford. That could that's a potential one. I kind of like the Utah one. What do you think about? Uh, not I wouldn't be Arizona State because they got a young guy. But what about Arizona? Do you think? Well, I don't know if it's the greatest fit, but it's like. Well, you've got a, a sophomore starter there. Yeah, that's true. Um, same thing as as Jaden Daniels. You know, you've got Grant Gunnell uh, there already. So I don't think the Arizona schools would be a great fit for him because he's going to want to find a place where he can start. I think Utah makes sense because Bentley will be probably leaving after a year. Um, and then you've got Davis Mills at Stanford who could leave after this season. Um, I don't know. Oregon, he might think he can beat out. Sh- How do you pronounce his name again? Which Sh- one? Oh, Sh- I don't know. I forget What's what we said. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Whatever. It doesn't matter. His name doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Uh, Oregon fans. Um, Cal, what year is Garbers? Is he a redshirt junior or is he a senior? I think he's a, I thought he's a senior, but maybe not. Well, he's not in danger of going to the NFL anyway. So I think it's going to be, I think Utah or Stanford is my number one pick. And then um, aside from that, yeah, I, I don't really have a third. I think it'll be Utah or Stanford. All right. Thanks, Day, for that one. Um, it would be good if you included, like, the Pac-12 quarterback depth charts in your email, but that's fine. Yeah, seriously, we'll man, you're expecting us to have a lot off the dome there. And right. frankly, this the season isn't still – it still isn't real in any kind of, like, announced sense. So, like, our, our knowledge of these depth charts is, you know, it's, it's limited at best. Yeah. So we got – this is from uh, Go Dogs for Life or Dog for Life. Uh, Dear POC – 
Warm regards to my second favorite USC pundit and my least favorite socialist. I must admit I've mostly stayed away in these dark times, but the whispers of a possible season has me all fired up and ready to contribute. So I wonder who his favorite USC pundit is and who who his favorite favorite USC pundit. And who's his favorite socialist if you're his least favorite socialist? Well, the thing is with that, I could be – you actually have a hierarchy. Like you you are second to somebody. But I could be both his favorite and his least favorite socialist. Fair point, yes. Because I, like I could just be the one and only yeah. to him. Nice. Uh, okay, there I would hate if he's like a close personal friend of like, I don't know, Stalin or something. And then I'm still his least favorite socialist. That wouldn't be great. I mean, some people are tankies, but that would be taking it a little bit too far. That would. Uh, there have been some intense, I'm sorry, intense, intense debates between Pac-12 zone Chris Fetters and various hardcore Husky contributors regarding roster attrition related to COVID. Most are off to the NFL, but some have transferred. Oregon seems to be hit the hardest, but several schools have lost key players. Uh, Some would call this a mass exodus, but our dear friend Fetters sits in a coffee shop, sipping from a mug, insisting things are fine. And he gives one of my favorite emojis, if it's not, or not, that's not emoji, favorite gifts, uh, the this is fine dog sitting in a burning building, uh, drinking a cup of coffee. I like that. Uh, like all message board debates, we are stalemated in the menagerie of tribalistic personal attacks, straw man arguments, and locked threads. I propose you czars of all things Pac-12 settlers. Please define what you would consider a mass exit of players, some of the current departures from the Pac-12, to decide if we pass that point. If we haven't given... Uh, predictions if you think the conference will experience a mass exodus. Go dogs, dog for life. I think it's been a mass exodus. Really? The sheer number of Oregon players that left that team, and it's like, look, I watched a lot of D'Amador Lenore and Thomas Graham in uh, high school, and then I saw them in college. Nice players, right? Good players. Are they surefire NFL draft picks? Like, are they surefire, like, top three round guys? No. Then what the hell are they doing leaving after their third year? Yeah. Right? They're they're leaving because they didn't think there was going to be a season this year. Um, And so that part of it where guys are leaving who wouldn't have otherwise gone, who wouldn't have otherwise been in the mix to leave, that speaks mass exodus to me. Um, When you have guys like Colin Schooler just jettisoning from Arizona to go to Texas Tech, that's, you know— Jake Burton wouldn't have left UCLA. Colin Schooler wouldn't have left Arizona. Um, all those Oregon players wouldn't have left without playing a season. Uh, the Washington players, many of them wouldn't have left. Like th- There's a, a huge number of guys now who they didn't tr- necessarily transfer out, but they have left the conference before the start of play of the 2020 season who wouldn't otherwise have done so if it hadn't been for COVID. Okay, I, a fair point. I think... I still think it falls short of a mass exodus. I would say if the threshold was, okay. What, decent, all the tribes of Israel leaving Egypt? Like what? <laughs> You're having still NFL guys leave, right? Or, you know, high production guys that want to play. Um, that's happened. Uh, you know, there's been a handful from each team. If it was like the backup fullback is is transferring out then i think you're more on the mass exodus theme. like these are guys that were like you know sheer starters that were you know pure starters they were uh all pack 12 kind of levels so your idea of a mass exodus is if you parted the red sea and you start them walking from one end to the other if 
they're rising out of the other side of the bank when they're still pouring in from the other side. That's the only situation where it's a mass exodus to you. No, I mean, I, I feel like any little thing happens, like a coaching change happens, say, at Oregon, all right? Those are guys that could leave also. They're starters. They're like, they have a decent shot at the NFL. They don't like the new coach. I'm just going to leave. Like, those are situ- like, this is a huge, obviously, issue, the, the global pandemic and all this stuff's going on. Pac-12 not playing. I feel like there could be a lot more. It could be a lot worse. And it, maybe it does. It could get worse. I would just say, I don't feel this is mass exodus territory yet. Um, but it, you know, certainly more transfers and more opt-outs than we normally uh, would see. But if it was something like, man, you're like, you had four offensive linemen leave that had no business doing it, like stuff like that. If that was happening every once but in a that, while, but that—that's the stuff that can't happen because it's not like it's not like these roster spots are available. Most schools are pretty close to full, so considering that, considering the capacity for other teams to take players, right? Considering their need to just take players, and then consider that the NFL is by definition, selective. It only has seven rounds to take players. And even if you are operating irrationally, your fourth best offensive lineman isn't going to try to jump to the NFL. Given all of that, the number of people leaving for what is a limited number of spots, who what is a limited number of transfer opportunities, what is a limited number of NFL draft slots, I, I don't know. I think it's been kind of staggering. I mean, the Oregon announcements, the way they came out, it was just like, damn, you chopped off the entire upside of that team. Uh, for for this coming season, wh- whenever it happens, um, to to basically kneecap the the number one team in the league uh, heading into this year, I don't know, man. That's significant, um, and I think there were enough other transfers from other squads that it, yeah. I mean, it's just a semantic thing, but I think it certainly it categorizes as a, definitely a mass issue um, that uh, will be significant for years to come for the Pac-12. I mean, replacing all those guys is not going to be super easy at all these schools. I mean, UCLA was down to like three good offensive linemen before Jake Burton left. So it's going to be, yeah, certainly not good news. Certainly not, this is fine. Yeah, no, certainly not, this is fine. And just what I'm thinking of a mass exodus, it's like a majority of people leaving, not you know, some key people for sure, but that's just, it's semantics. just they, it's, they it's, don't have it's, anywhere to go. Yeah. Like no, the, 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 you could argue that thing. that's the reason like that more people would be leaving. Um, and they might, maybe the PAC 12 decides not to play and you see even more people, uh, leave and transfer and try to play somewhere else. I mean, who knows? We, I think Colin Schooler was playing right for, was it for Baylor? Who was he playing for? Or something like that. Um, Texas tech, Texas tech. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so I don't know what to do with the next email, Ryan. I think we have to. Holy cow. It's and it's all I mean, it's. Yeah. So he put in a lot of work here, right? Let's put this on the blog. Yeah. So this is a it's a it's another like uh, referring to all these schools by a different type. But this one is about Pokemon. I know nothing about Pokemon. I'm going to guess most of our constituency knows nothing about Pokemon. It was one thing with Ewoks and Hobbits, mostly because I'm interested in Ewoks and Hobbits, and I don't really, you know, care about you, the listener. I do. And that was a <laughs> lie. Uh, but I don't care about Pokemon. So this won't be interesting or fun for me to read. Yeah, so why don't... Uh, man, I'm going to create more And that's, and that's, uh, uh, that's no knock 
on on you, Sparky's roommate. Um, that's a knock on me. My my interest level is not here. Yeah, uh, he gives us. There's a doc too, like a PDF file that has um, different types of Pokemon's, and the Arizonas are the poison type, so they're looking kind of. Uh, there's a lot of purple. Um, maybe they should be Washington because there's a lot of purple, but a lot of like. A lot of things that like if you were having like a, you know, a foot fungus commercial, whatever you're trying to fix, like th- these things look like they would be the fungus. Um, Arizona State's the fire type. That looks kind of on brand for that. Cal is the electric type. I don't know what any of these things are. Colorado's the rock type. Uh, Oregon's the grass type. That kind of makes sense. Oregon State's the dark type. Um, those are kind of some badass looking Pokemons there. Uh, the psychic type for is it singular the, or plural? Are they Pokemon or are they Pokemons? Mo, there's like a so the types there's like a whole bunch of them. So like in the dark type, there's a Mandy Buzz. It looks no, like, no, no. I so, mean, is it like fish when it's plural? Is it Pokemon? Is that referring to many oh, or is oh. it Pokemons? Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, no clue. Um, that's what I want to know. Stanford is the psychic type. Those look kind of weird and intellectual. UCLA is the water type. Um, some cool looking ones in there. There's a walrine that looks like a walrus kind of thing. Uh, USC is the steel type. Looks a little transformery on uh, uh, Utah is the flying type. All right. I guess they got feathers in their logo. Maybe that was where that comes from. Washington is the ice type. So we see like a polar bear looking thing and some other stuff. And Washington State is the ground type. Um, so imagine – so you just listen to Ryan read that. Uh, now imagine that but times 10 is how long this read of the season yeah. has been. Um, so yeah. This is, we'll I we'll think post we can, it on the blog. Yeah, we'll post it on the blog. If you're we'll, really interested in Pokemon and how they might fit into the Pac-12 structure – Visit the blog. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know there was types and all this kind of stuff, but they, he goes through each player, uh, what they do, what they stand for, and why. You know, there's like a preseason one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Whatever. But it's uh, – I I can't imagine pe- there's that many people that know this much about Pokemon, but it's super popular around the world, so maybe they do. But uh, neither Dave or I do. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll read this next one since you actually did that one. Okay. And this is from Paul, and it's written in a really um, impossible to read way, which I actually kind of appreciate. He, did he has this on taken purpose, yeah. e- every line of type is a little <laughs> bit smaller than the one before it to the point where the final bit I'm going to have to lean closer to the computer. So here we go. Big 10, Big 14, starting. Hello, champions. Paul at Nat, F- at Nat Fod, N A T T F O D D. Here from beautiful, suffocating Oregon. Now that the Big 14 is restarting football, I wanted the opinions of Ryan, Dave, and any poor intern they suckered into reading questions for them. In fact, I most want opinions from the interns, but I'll take Ryan and Dave as well. Once the whole Pacific Coast is less on fire, do you see the Pac-12 doing the same thing? It seems likely to me, except for the fact that some of our teams haven't been able to practice, and the Big 10 plus 4 has been doing this the whole time. Perhaps an eight-game season with a few weeks to get ready? I mean, do we really care about any of the California schools anyway besides maybe the Cal Bears? USC is going to be the first of second best in the South Division, but won't win the uh, conference. Oh, first first or second best? 
uh, in the South Division but won't win the conference, and their fans will act like it's some huge travesty to not be the very best in the conference. Stanford, he throws the D in there, uh, will continue <laughs> to disappoint and will be lucky to finish above 500. And UCLA has Trip Kelly, who was never, ever, who was never, ever an off- offensive genius. He just found a great new scheme someone else was running and convinced the Power 5 team to let him run it there. Until that happens again, he'll keep UCLA below average in perpetuity. So, if we're going to forget we're in a pandemic pandemic, and stubbornly insist on putting these communities at risk, why not do it with only a few weeks' practice so we can all spread the pandemic together? I'm sure my Ducks will still be ready to take on the Pac-12 and the Beavers will beaver it up in true beavery fashion. Keep bringing on interns, keep being awesome in your own weird way, and keep making the podcast so I don't go insane. Thanks, Paul. Paul, I'm guessing by the choice to um, create uh this interesting email with the interesting typefaces that that last request is a true one and we're going to keep making the podcast just for you uh yes just to keep you uh on the right side of sanity okay um so this is about what we addressed earlier but we both think pac-12 is going to start play at some point this fall right we do and i think the the one of the key points that paul had in there and this is i'm gonna have to put a screenshot of this on the blog too because this is great um the big, he said the big 10 plus four has been practicing the whole time, which is true. And when, you know, Ryan Day or no, I think it was uh, Jim Harbaugh said we could be ready in two weeks. It's because they've already been practicing. They've already been working together and getting, you know, the 20 hours a week or whatever they were doing. The Pac-12 was doing 12 hours a week, but more of like the, it's been like a long off season kind of conditioning thing in the Pac-12, not pads, practicing, tackling, things like that, where they're doing that uh, in the Big Ten and the Big 14, as, as uh, Paul calls it. So they could get started a lot faster than the Pac-12 could, which is why it would be so important to lobby the governments in California and Oregon to get the same kind of, you know, the, to allow them to at least practice. Um, and then you could start to get things going. Because then if you said, OK, well, you can practice tomorrow even before the rapid testing stuff is going on, you know, you're, you're doing these group workouts anyway. If you were allowed to start practicing, they could at least be getting ready, not for any specific date, but be you, you could flip the switch easier. And I think that's a key thing where it was going to be, it, it was easier for the big 10 to waffle and flip the switch because they were still in a state where they could practice and they could be, they were getting ready. Uh, it was like prepping, you know, in the Pac-12, you can't even prep right now. You're you're doing like the pre-prep, and that's all you can do, and that's a big issue. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think they need to get into full work. I know UCLA has been keeping conditioned, like they've still been doing their conditioning, their the conditioning they're allowed to do. Uh, but there's a big difference between that and doing the actual work. Um, so, from what I understand. Um, Teams do need like probably four to six weeks to really ramp up for a season. Um, you know, if you went just right now, it would be starting fall camp for four weeks, but you probably can't do that. Some of these schools haven't been able to do conditioning, especially recently with all the fire stuff. Um, so really, you probably need six weeks. And if you if you lined it up and you announced it on Friday and you said six weeks, we're going to do it, um, then that would line up for what? Last weekend of October or the you know first weekend of November which I think they could get done if they announced it this week. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, but they need to get moving now. There's just no more sitting on your hands. It was great. I think the Pac-12 was in a good position, uh, looking good as the Big Ten waffled and just looked terrible. Just bad public persona. I mean, everything was bad. 
But now that they're going to play, they basically joined with, you know, they're sitting at the cool the kids table. They're at the lunch and they're sitting over there uh, with all the popular kids. And you had your, you know, you had the captain of the football team at your table and he left. He's joined the cool kids. Now you're at the nerd table and you have to the, fig- figure something out, you know. The, the, the winning play for the Pac-12 here is um, to uh, probably, so announce your season. Um, and then have such a good testing regimen in place that you don't have to cancel a single game this season. Because if they can get through the year doing that and they play a seven or eight game season and everyone else, like they're all going to have to cancel games. Like the SEC is going to have to cancel some games. The ACC's already had to postpone some games. Like all that stuff is going to happen. Like they're going to have to move games around. If the Pac-12 with its testing regimen can get through the entire season without having to cancel a game, um, that'll be a win. Like, that'll be, oh, wow, the Pac-12 did handle this the best of anybody. Um, And I think that would all make sense. So they've already been laying the groundwork for a week and a half that, oh, we've got this new testing program that we can put in place that that's going to allow us to potentially return to play. So they have that. And they're going to allow time for it to ramp up um, if they even were to start in November. Um, And that'll... You know, I think that gives them all of the the cover they need to uh, to start a season. And then if they're actually able to pull it off without having to cancel or postpone games, then they will look the best of any conference that did any of this stuff. Yeah. No, I think that's it's, there's it's, a chance for a real PR victory here, I think, for Larry Scott and company if they play it right. But they got to play it right. And you can't just be like, well, this is how we're doing things. I think now you have to get, um, you know, get things rolling. So, uh you know, I don't know. Oh, we just got uh, your buddy Grant Gunnell uh, tweeted out a letter to Gavin Newsom as well. He said, we stand with our brothers in California. Help us find a way. Um, so it's good that we're, you know, it's good that the players are going to be involved in stuff like this. Um, but it's not necessarily it can't just be on them. It's going to have to be behind the scenes making things like, look, Governor Newsom, you want to save face. You want to say that you weren't restricting this all along. Okay, so now just let us do our practices. And like, yeah, well, here's how we're doing it and blah, blah, blah. I think I think you can make it work, but it's you got to have to, like, pull some strings, figure out what to do, because do some getting crushed uh, for what he's saying. So you can kind of make this um, – you can make it a win for everyone. And he's a politician, like you've mentioned. they got to be able to save face. But you can do it in a way that, okay, you're going to start practicing going forward. Um, so I, I think – I think there's a real opportunity, like you said, for a PR win, but they got to treat it right. They got to do it right. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And so far, they've done mostly right. Now it's going to be, but those were sort of like the easier decisions where you just kind of follow the Big Ten, communicate it well, you get credit for that. But, but they were going to make that decision regardless of the Big Ten. They I think followed they were. them, but they were going to regardless. I think. Uh, you know, we, we knock the Pac-12 a lot. I think it's worth giving them credit. I think they um, handled this all well. It wasn't just them being complete followers. I think their reasoning has been the clearest throughout. Um, they've provided the, I, I want to say they've provided the most information about their decision-making of anybody. For sure. Uh, and they've been transparent. I mean, for the most part. I mean, now they're getting completely stabbed in the back by the California government. But the California government was preventing them from um resuming play um and also all of the factors that they said now they've figured out one of those factors the testing is now better 
they can also figure out another one because Gavin Newsom is signaling the whole thing. Um, the big question is that, you know, the long term ramifications of getting COVID and also the broad public health crisis. But those weren't the public health thing wasn't really one of their stipulations for starting play anyway. Um, yeah. So it's really can they wave away the uh, potential for myocarditis the same way the Big Ten did? And I think they will get to the same point. Um, but I think even at the end of the day, if they decide to change it by Friday, I think you would still say of, you know, if they can if they can walk this through and they can actually get the testing program in place and that testing program works, the Pac-12 handled this the best of anybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan Carsey from the the L.A. Times was tweeting. Um, so about the, the Gavin Newsom stuff, uh, he summed up by saying college football is totally allowed in California as long as you don't gather in cohorts larger than 12, hit each other, block each other or generally experience any other contact. Uh, that's the other thing too. It's like contact isn't, you know, allowed. You have to still be socially distant, right? So you can be in that group, but you can't. Yeah. So there's all kinds of issues, um, with what's going on, like we said a a million times, but, uh, there's enough blowback that I think he's Gavin Newsom probably have to address this again on Wednesday or no, today's Wednesday on uh, Thursday. So we'll see if he backtracks a little or if Larry Scott can kind of get in there and help him save face. Um, good opportunity for a win here if they get him. Uh, if they can, if they do this right. So he's got to play the political game. Uh, I think real, to, real quick before we go, Dave, I mean, we're always seeing the political game being played in the, the big 10, right? Because, uh, you know, Donald Trump reached out and he's saying, yeah. I'm glad I could help. And then there's people that are saying, no, you didn't help at all. Um, but this is a real thing. Like if, you know, the big 12, big 10 football comes back, are people going to give Donald to help Donald Trump win the election? Like who knows, you know? So, there's uh, Paul, well, he certainly thinks so. Why do you think he reached out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's. But I think Gavin Newsom doesn't want to be the one looked at as the one that shut it down, too. You know, no, um, th- that's that's exactly what's going on is Gavin yeah. Newsom does not want that buck passed to him. Um, and he's he's again, finger in the wind. That's what a lot of these politicians do. He's got his finger in the wind and he's he sees the situation changing when the Pac-12 and the Big Ten announced in August it was a much different situation. Uh, it looked like there was even potential for the ACC and big 12. And then eventually the sec to shut down. Um, but it's changed. It's considerably changed since then. Now I don't think the facts on the ground have actually changed all that much, but the political situation has changed. The, the state of, um, you know, people's feelings about college football have changed. And with that, uh, you know, that's, uh, that is a, you know, a, a small but vocal uh, portion of uh, public opinion, college football fans, and uh, they they will not be happy if Gavin Newsom is the reason the Pac-12 can't happen this year. No. So that's I, I think he's signaling he's he's ready to change, and uh, and I think we'll have Pac-12 football, and yeah. we'll actually have something to talk about besides uh, freaking COVID. Exactly, and I and you know I'm now thinking about it. You, you have to put your finger, you know, you lick your finger, put it up, raise it up into the wind, see which way it's blowing. In this case, that statement that we didn't, we're not preventing the Pac-12 from playing, wasn't, it does, I, to me, it sounds like that wasn't for people that know anything about college football. That was for other people, right? That no, was it's like, to set up an announcement in a couple of days that the Pac-12 is returning to play. Maybe, like, yeah, that's what, maybe. But like I, for the people that don't know it, like, there's, you know, when the, the president of a university comes and says something, there's people that don't really know what exactly is going on. And the people that know and they say something that's, you know, kind of 
I don't want to say false, but twisted a little bit. The people that really know what's going on are like, that's not right. That's not how things are going. But it's supposed to like appease like the, the rest of the masses that aren't as dialed in. Like he just pissed off everyone that's dialed in. But I think, you know, it's something like a, it was a little check. Like someone who wrote that down, like, oh, what is this? People are talking about Gavin Newsom. Oh, he said it was fine. They're, he's not preventing it. Okay, fine. Like well, they don't know anything a, about college football. It's hard to find a lot of these regulations. Like they don't make it super easy. Um, and you have to kind of read into things to find out that college football is not allowed um, because it's like, oh, you can't have a gathering over X number of people. Well, that rules out football just by itself. Um, so I, I think he's assuming and probably rightly that how many people in California actually know any of this stuff? Right. 10,000 tops. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's appealing to the mass majority, but he also wouldn't be saying that if he didn't have any intention to change what is currently there um, or allow a, an, um, you know, a, a, an allowance for, uh, for Pac-12 football to start. Yeah. So. All right. Well, good stuff, Dave. I uh, got some breaking news. We've been, we've been doing our shows like right after some good news. So that's. Uh... I think we're going to be, here's, here's my prediction. And I've been so good on my predictions. Um, we're going to be starting season previews next week. Wow. Okay. That's what I think. I think we're going to hear something end of this week, early next week, and we're going to start season previews at the end of next week. Wow. That that's what I think. You're, you're actually more optimistic that's going to happen than no, I No, no, no. What it is is I cannot talk about uh, COVID-19 anymore. Okay. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. So it's going to have to be a football season. Sorry. I like it. Uh, well, yeah, we can start doing some previews. If, as long as we get a hint that we're going to have football, we can get into some of that stuff. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. He is David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We really appreciate you listening to the podcast of champions. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys. Your choice of color starting at just three 99 Ashley sleep mattresses starting at two 50 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster Tempur-Pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required. See store for details.